welcome to Tales, Tunes, and Tom Fullery, starring Jerry Springer, along with Gene Galvin and me. I'm Megan Hills. We're recorded live in front of a brilliant studio audience at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. My daddy came home. And here he is, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Jerry Springer. Thank you. Oh. Oh. Whoa. Boy. It's a good thing they put an addition onto this. Thank so God. We fit the more people in. Hey, hey, you know um, what? Last week and yes. actually a couple times recently, we have brought up the fact that a you were mayor of Cincinnati back in the seventies or yep. something, and that when you were mayor of Cincinnati, and we discussed this as recently as a week ago on one of our episodes, that you gave keys to the city. I gave to keys to the city to everybody. Well, to all per- performers because you wanted to because that's people. how I got to meet them. I'll give you a key to the city if you come and do a concert here. Right. And I got, oh, yeah, it was great. Major and people, Bob Dylan. Uh, uh, Bob Dylan. Linda Ronstadt, maybe. Linda, uh, Linda Ronstadt, Emmy Lou Harris, the Eagles, Eddie Money, the, Eagles. the Steep. Did you give all the Eagles? All, the every time we saw an Eagle, we gave it a, <laughs> yeah. I know Megan but, uh, and I were wondering, of course, Megan's parents weren't even alive at that time, much less <laughs> Megan. But, but we always wondered, what, how come we didn't get keys to the city, I right, I wondered that, yes, absolutely. Right. And yeah. I did get one from not, another a subsequent mayor, a huge ceremony. Oh, in, in, in the parking media, lot? Well, it was in the parking huge. lot of a union hall. This, this was what? Second. Trunk was open. He was putting something mm-hmm. in. I said, what's that? And that cardboard box, keys to the city. You want what one? Key? What, what is, it? One. is that Ludlow? No, it's That's Cincinnati, man. City of Cincinnati. Oh, here's right. a, oh by the way. Mine so thanks, no Jerry. Nearest. I appreciate that. Well, there's a photo of you giving a key to the city to Bob Dylan. Yes. And it's a very cool picture. I put it today on our website. Go to jerryspringer.com. It's there. It looked like the Battle of the Noses. No. Because we're both facing each other, and there's a profile picture. And mine is bigger than his. There was... Oh, never Yeah, never but go mind. ahead. Interesting. Nose. I know. Anyway, and Dylan... Um, and it's just, it's kind of cool to see a young Jerry Springer and a younger Bob Dylan and they're, and Dylan's holding up the key to the city and, you know, it's, it's kind of cool. And by the way, Bob Dylan uh, just received, a, what, about six months ago, the Nobel Peace Prize for Literature. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Nobel Sweden, Prize for Literature. No, Nobel right. Prize for it was Literature. The, next to the key, it was the biggest award he ever got. <laughs> <laughs> so I put on our website a link to this half-hour speech that Dylan gave about to this. He, he, you have to do a lecture. If you get the key, and pardon me, if you get the award, you have to travel over there and you have to give a lecture. And he gives, but he didn't go. He sent someone to stand in for him to right. receive it. Oh, they yeah, they didn't like that. So you have one, yeah, I think you have a six-month period. You better give a lecture and provide it to them in recorded form. He did, and it's kind of jazzy. He's got a little jazz piano on the background. Some people may have heard it. If you have not heard it, our listeners, go to jerryspringer.com, upper left-hand corner, click on this link, and it's Bob Dylan explaining, I don't know, you kind of hear it as a defense for why he got the prize. Because people said to him, and he says this in the opening, he says, I had friends say, would you get the award for literature? Why'd you get it? People were upset. Some people were were upset upset about it. Yeah. And he gives this 27-minute 
it's wonderful in my opinion, I'm an old English major, rambling uh, explanation where he explicates three major pieces of literature he claimed he read during grammar yeah. school. The Iliad, All Quiet on the Western Front, Hemingway, and Melville's Moby Dick. Mm -hmm. And he's quoting all these rich metaphors and symbols and it, they're, all those pieces of literature are packed with it. And then he gets into talking about his music. And he says, when I studied this literature, I discovered there were some images that made no sense. That they, they had no meaning. Talking about Melville and sure. Hemingway. Sure. And he says, I did that in some in my music. No. Yeah. I did some wrote some songs that had some images in them that didn't mean anything. No, don't and, tell and, me. It makes me so mad. That pisses you off a lot. So don't tell me that. Mad. <laughs> yeah, right. No, it makes me mad because it's not, that's intentional obscurity, and that is... Messing with people. It really yeah. makes me angry. Yeah. And you can What it does is, in my opinion, and I'm an artistic person, yep. I like art for art's sake, but at the same time, when you tell your audience, oh, I just threw it on paper, it didn't mean anything. Yeah. I mean, it's it's infuriating. When to me. I found out, because when I when you know when we were young, I remember that song, "The Witch Doctor." Ooh, yeah. ee, ooh, ah, ah, ting, tang, walla, walla, bing, bang. Yeah. When I found out that didn't mean anything, <laughs> I, I was crushed. I couldn't help. You know, it's wow. interesting. Wow. The thing you really <laughs> always elevate a conversation, yeah. Jerry. <laughs> You really do. You just, boom. Well, the well, way I think you're of talking it. talking about Melville? <laughs> it's interesting, isn't it, Megan? The things that entertain a simple mind. Yeah. You know? <laughs> no. Uh, Are we on yet? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, simple actually. mind. I could be president. <laughs> oh! There he is. He's back. He's back. <laughs> Good for you for showing up, Jared. <laughs> At the end of the day, Dylan says, and when you're writing music, and he says, I, you know, I wrote words to be heard behind music, and which would be like a playwright writing words to be acted out on a stage, not to sure. be read. And ultimately, he says, if you're writing music, this is his justification, not saying he's right or wrong, but this is how he justifies it. He says that some of these lines that even I didn't know what they meant, but I like the way they sounded. But that's and different. That's there is purpose to that. Poetry. That's not just throwing something on a yeah. canvas or on paper yeah. for the oh, sake of it. Oh, that's how you justify it. Yeah, and so if that's it, that's fine. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. I still think he's kind of a bit of a jerk. So. Yeah, well, that's interesting. Like, and just and, not even and, going and like I say, I think it's, it's uh, worthy of being listened to, and you, you draw your own conclusions. Sure. And I tried to find some connection to our podcast, so I dug out this picture that I did have of you giving him. But here's the thing that Dylan doesn't know. I got I to get a prop here, maybe that for Facebook Live. That's a bottle of beer. And this is the official key to the city of Cincinnati. So it says Mayor Charlie Lucan on it. That's who gave that to me. Yeah. Now, he really this is what key. this is for. Oh. oh. And that's the truth. That's why it said Mayor Charlie Lucan. <laughs> nah. Oh. It's a joke. Hey, Charlie's hey. a good friend. Oh, <laughs> Just I mean, joking. That's legit a bottle opener. Way to go, Cincy. Yeah. It's just a bottle opener. <laughs> yeah. We got that. Hey, yeah, and, and you can just picture the people in the mayor's office. And oh. We have Gene Beaupre sitting here tonight, an old friend who's worked forever Ooh, in the mayor's office. Yeah, he was one of the guys that ran the, ran the mayor's office. And you can just picture people saying, who work in various mayor's office, uh, they probably call up some novelty company that sells stuff. <laughs> 
just you know, like for the Christmas party or something, the holiday party. Hey, get some keys that open beer bottles it's like and the then flip stick flops the flip that open beer bottles. That's all it is. It's like a <laughs> flip flop that opens a beer bottle. <laughs> we'll do that next year for Ludlow. Ludlow, that's nice. Yeah. That. Yeah. I gave you that. Yeah, instead of giving a key to the city, Ludlow should give a flip, flip flop, flop that opens bottle. a beer bottle. Yeah. I love it. So, I don't know. I didn't realize that. That is a great idea. Yeah. Did your was your key that you gave out? Was it a bottle opener? Do you know? It was a key. To, I don't want to say what it was a key to. But oh, dear God. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it makes me think of the time. Yeah, uh, didn't you sing else. with uh, yeah. Little Richard? Once? Yes. King of the Is that right? I sang on national television with Little Richard. Where? Yeah. And I'm not talking about my grandson, whose name is Richard. No, it was uh, Dick Clark's 50th anniversary special on ABC. Before or after the stroke? Well, if I was on, probably after. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, but it was his before. It was his fiftieth anniversary special of the Dick Clark Show. Yep. And uh, ABC ran it on a Sunday night, and they brought back. Forget me for a second. All a lot of the who were still alive, the great acts that had been on the Dick Clark Show, all these years. Mm-hmm. And I got invited, which was absurd. Joking aside, there was no reason for me to be on because everyone else was a famous musician with big, big songs. And, you know, what my agent said to me is, well, they want to have a, because back then our audience was, I had a young audience with the show. They thought maybe we'll make the show a little bit younger and you get on there. Can you play anything? And I said, well, I could play a couple of chords on a guitar. So they said, fine, get up there. So I go to the rehearsal. And the group they put me with, it's Little Richard, the Pointer Sisters, uh, and Chicago. Oh, my God. (laughs) And I'm up there playing the guitar, and we play Good Golly, Miss Molly, Little Richard's song. So during rehearsal, this is God's truth, during the rehearsal, right in the middle of the song, I say, stop, stop. And I point to little Richard sitting at the piano he's going I said that's a G <laughs> and uh, well we got along great and it was weird because he never went back to the Dick Clark show again. oh the other guy that was on who was a very good musician a Belushi the brother Jim Jim, Jim or John Jim he's a good musician he was playing yeah. up there too he could really play coolest job you ever had was being mayor of a city yeah nothing was close to it that's it really was People were crazier at city council than they were on my show. But, <laughs> but, you know, I wanted to see normal life for a while, so I saw it on my television show. <laughs> Talk about the loonies. Yeah, I do believe that, though. Yeah. And I no, know. Yeah, that was the best job. There are continued speculations about you running for. And so now moving on. Various. <laughs> and it's getting for various offices. No, yeah. but I, I do have a great idea. I, you know, I made that quote if I ever decide to throw my hat in the ring, I will let, you know, the media know. Yeah. But right now, I don't even have a hat. Yeah. So I was thinking, if I ever decide to do it, I'm going to hold a press conference in front of the, there's a haberdashery on on Vine and Fifth. Yes. That's where I'm going to announce. I'm going to buy a hat, walk out, and go, (laughs) (laughs) And that's how you find out. But you don't, you're, you don't have anything you want to announce tonight one way or another, do you? I mean... Yeah, I'm going to announce for Ohio <laughs> in Ludlow, Kentucky. Yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. 
That's Again, great. Gene with the business plans. Yeah. <laughs> That would be a good idea. Because what I really want is voters to think about me in Kentucky. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, I get that. Oh, get you it? get that, that's Megan? A yeah. That's, that that's, a good re- that's Bob Dylan-like, isn't it? <laughs> what? That's what it's called, callback humor. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we're going to have, uh, a little bit later on, Ryan Sinclair and all the little pieces. This is a really cool band. Uh, Lexington, Kentucky, I think, is where they hail from, and uh, we're looking forward to that. Uh, Hey, Jerry, you know, to turn, we've had some sort of light banter here, but this is not light at all. But there was another attack, this Mm -hmm. one, on London Bridge. And our president made some comments afterwards uh, that involved the mayor, speaking of mayors, the mayor of London, England. Uh, What's your take on all of that? The best way to get to that story is to start with Another thing, which at first seems unrelated, and then I'll bring it together, and it'll all, I hope, make sense at the end. This week is also the 50th anniversary of the Six-Day War. And, uh, in fact, June 5th, yesterday, 50 years ago. And I remember it vividly, and I remember it vividly. I was 23 years old, and it was the summer between my second and third year of law school. In fact, this particular morning, I would get up and I would then pack because I was coming to Cincinnati, Ohio for the first time in my life. I'd never been to Cincinnati, and I was coming to Cincinnati because I just accepted a summer job with a law firm that ultimately hired me, and that's how I came to the city. Anyway, my mom comes and wakes me up early in the morning, and she's crying. And... uh, The reason I get emotional is because I don't, honestly, I don't ever remember my mom, at least up till that point, crying, except when I started singing. And, but, you know, she, you know, and, and, and she's crying, you know, so you wake up, you're a kid, and not kid, I was 22, 23, but, you know, you you see your mom crying, and you all of a sudden think the word, what's going on? And she said, uh, Israel's just been attacked. Of course, she didn't have the details exactly right yet. And she says, uh, here we go again. And, you know, for those of you who don't know, she lost her entire family, except for her sister, in the Holocaust. They all died in the camps, my dad's and my mom's side. But it was something they never talked about at home. So, you know, and she says, you know, here we go again. Um, and I mean, she was shaking. And it kind of blew me away because it's something we never talked about. And here we are in America, and it's nothing that ever crossed my mind. I never ran into any discrimination being Jewish and all that. But you have to understand, for her life, the first 33 years or so of her life, she was was spent in Germany for as many generations as we can figure out, go back. You know, they were German Jews. And it was her country, and her country turned on her, and uh, then the whole family was exterminated. They run away. Uh, literally three weeks before Hitler goes into Poland to start World War II. And they have to learn English, and then they went to England, they come to America, and, you know, the rest of the story is a wonderful life here in America. But that suddenly, it's like, it just shook her up. It's like, oh, my God, here we go again. They're going to eliminate all the Jews. How does that relate to what just happened? Because I can understand the horror of what happened just in London. And I wonder, other than that obvious horror of it, 
Imagine if you're a Muslim family here in America and what is suddenly going through your mind anytime there is such an event. And here they're living in America, millions of Muslims, lovely, law-abiding citizens, all kinds of professions. Their kids are in school, just 99.9%, of all Muslims, you know, don't commit terrorist acts, okay? They're just like everybody else. They have their religion. Everyone here is whatever. People have their own religion. That's theirs. They're lovely people. And suddenly, they have to be thinking what mom must have thought in Germany. This is the country they pledge allegiance to. They love it. They root for the ball teams. They're just as emotional about America as anybody else. And suddenly, the president of the United States is in a sense saying, you're the enemy. Ah, you Muslims, we're going to have a ban. He starts tweeting about a ban again, which, by the way, is unconstitutional and be tossed out. But that's the feeling he's trying to get out here in America. And then he tweets picking on the mayor of London, who happens to be Muslim, but is a wonderful mayor, loved by the people in London, wins big Elections, I mean, wins by a big margin. Bright, wonderful. He's everything you want a citizen to be. And Trump, like an idiot, is attacking him. I mean, that'd be like attacking Rudy Giuliani on September 12th. You know, the greatest thing Giuliani ever did was his behavior during the attack. We all see that. Imagine if someone had attacked our mayor when The city has just been victimized. What kind of a human being, what kind of a person does that? And remember on 9-11, the next day, in France, the newspaper in Paris, today we are all Americans. In London, Queen Elizabeth, in Buckingham Palace, had the palace guard for the first time in British history, for the first time ever on the grounds of Buckingham Palace, Played the Star Spangled Banner. Go, go to the video. You can just Google Queen Elizabeth um, response to 9-11. And watch that video, and you too will have tears in your eyes. There are 5,000, that's what the report said, Americans gathering in London on September 12th, outside the gates of Buckingham Palace, listening to the British guard playing the Star-Spangled Banner, first time in history. That's how Europe responded to us when we had our 9-11. That's how Europe responds to us, not having Trump go to NATO and bully one of the leaders out of the way and knock out of his speech. We would support Article 5, where an attack on any NATO country would be an attack on America. That security, which has kept the world safe for 75 years, he can't even get himself to say that. He is a threat to the security of the United States of America. If you think terrorism is a threat in America and around the world, which it is, it is, why in the heck are you going around antagonizing everybody we need to help us? 
We need the Muslim community. We keep asking the Muslim community, 99.9% are wonderful people, to help us, to be our eyes and ears for anybody that would do us harm. So you're going to go and insult them? Picking on the mayor of London was clearly because he was a Muslim. There was no, what, do you think the mayor brought the terrorist act? He threatens the safety of the United States of America with his bigotry. That is the truth. So I get just as upset. In fact, it was last night. Um, you know, Mickey and I are getting ready to sleep, and we're talking about it. We were watching on the news, getting all ticked off about it. And so I tweeted, I don't tweet all the time, to our brothers in London. Trump's insults of your mayor are his own. He does not speak for America. We're not like that. And then the thought came after I sent it out that, yikes, am I going too far? Am I saying that Trump doesn't speak for America because, you know, officially he's the president of the United States. And then I started thinking, this is a fiction we're all making up. I mean, it, technically, he got the electoral vote, so I understand that. But deep down, we all know that the American people didn't choose him to be our leader. We all know that. We all know Hillary got three million more votes, and that's the low estimate. Add to that, we got more evidence last night, we know the Russians interfered, in fact, four or five days before the election. Not only did they interfere with our election, they now apparently hacked in to our voting systems. Oh, my word. It could have been a lot more than three million. We have no idea what effect they had. Add to that, Comey. No human being on the planet Earth can believe that Comey coming out 11 days before the election and said Hillary's email, she might have done this, all this negative thing, which was the biggest story. And for the next week, I mean, all the Trump people were giving high fives in their headquarters. They were so excited about this. All of a sudden, Trump had a chance of winning because of this news. And then it turned out to not be true. There's nothing going on with her in these but it was too late. People had already voted. So we know, we know that the American people did not vote for Trump. That is the truth. I understand you can show me their constitution, the regulations, and say Trump is president because when we took a vote from the Electoral College, he got more. I get that. But knowing that the Electoral College is supposed to reflect the public vote, once you admit that the public vote was compromised, even more so than the three million votes we know Hillary got more than him, then of course we know he doesn't speak for us. And so all I'm saying is, don't feel guilty. Don't feel un-American. Is he legally the president? Is he legally allowed to be in the White House right now? Yeah, until we find out something else. Yeah, I get that. But he doesn't speak for us. We have got to let the rest of the world know. We've got to let our kids know. We've got to let Europe know that his behavior and the things he says is not who we are. 
We don't show up at funerals and start cheering, showing up in England and tweeting what he did these last couple of days is so disrespectful. We're not like that. We are better than that. All right, I'm going to ask uh, Ryan. My Saint- show is on every day at 11. <laughs> on <the> cha- <laughs> oh, the show we got coming up next week. Oh, dear God. Why do I do that? I don't know. Ryan Sinclair and all the Little Pieces band, we're very glad to have them on our show. It's the first time on. And Ryan, you are from Lexington, Kentucky? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And people can hear uh, Ryan and her band's music at allthelittlepiecesband.com, all spelled out. Do a song for us, and we'll talk about it on the other side.
tightened round her neck. She inhaled her final breath and jumped down to her death. Love it. the devil and freed my soul. That's Ryan Sinclair, and by the way, it may not be obvious uh, listening, but... Uh, Ryan, you're 16 years old, right? Yeah. What? It's amazing. <laughs> amazing. I mean, you started playing music when you were 11. You had your first band at 11. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And by the way, with Ryan, let's introduce these folks. They deserve it. Are Tony Karpinski in the back, I guess, singing uh, back up. Matt Meehan on uh, bass. And then another Matt, Matt Halverson on percussion in the back. And that song is about a young woman who, in the 1850s, do I have this right? Yeah, was the murdered. 1800s, yeah. And you wrote this song to tell her story. She was murdered, or she, she was the murderer? Tell uh, the story, She Robert. was allegedly the first female serial killer in the United she States. She was the serial yeah. killer. Yes. Wow, tell us real fast about that, and what caused you to write a song about it. Well, uh, the band was doing a few sh shows in Charleston, South Carolina. Okay. And uh, we went on a ghost tour, just ended up uh, going on that and heard the legend of Lavinia Fisher. And I guess my Tim Burton influence kicked in and I just, um, uh, some Sweeney Todd visuals and uh, I guess it just inspired me to write this, uh, this whole concept album about uh, this story. And how many albums have you done now? Um, this will be my uh, third. And is original songs? Yes. See, this is amazing. This, we love this. 16 years old. This yeah, yeah we love this. So you're this like is. a junior in high school? Sophomore. Sophomore. Wow. Yeah. Unbelievable. There's another young woman we've had on named Erin Coburn, mm -hmm. similarly very talented, has a band, writing her own music. She's a little more blues. Uh, but we, Jerry and I and Megan, who are from different generations, Jerry and I, I have are... socks your age. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they have holes in them, by the way. Yeah. We don't want to see them. But it's really wonderful that young people are... And you, your style of music is Gillian Welsh style. It's very, mm -hmm. it's very Appalachian. It sounds like it comes out of the hollers of Appalachia, and I guess that's your intention. It's got this wonderful folky storytelling sound and songs you're writing are storytelling songs. We think it's amazing. So we give you a round of applause. Keep doing what you're doing and uh, sing us another song. This one's called From Here. Yes. Uh, Ryan Sinclair and all the Little Pieces Band. Everyone I thought I knew is gone. just moved on It only gets better from here 
You're 16. You wrote that song. How does a 16-year-old write it? And I don't, I don't mean it just as a, as a joke, but actually, because that's about a life experience. So where did you learn that? In other words, is that through your family, through... Because that's incredibly and, and insightful. Uh, before you answer, let me tell you something. Bob Dylan, I'm not making a joke here, and we talked about earlier about Dylan's speech receiving the Nobel Prize for Literature. He talked about what influences writing stuff he read, as he put it, grammar school. And he started quoting these great pieces of literature, and as I say, I'm an old English major, so I read all those, you probably read those. Was it school that influenced, was it literature classes? You have a, so a line in that song, I wrote it down, road is the only home for me. That's an outstanding line. As Dylan would say, that just sounds good <laughs> in that song. It just sounds good, but it also means something. It's Yeah, folksy. what prompted that song? Yeah. Or that um, I, th I think just life, just, you know, looking around, seeing different uh, 
you know, people and their different, you know, paths that they're on. And Marriages just... you've been through, wars you fought in. <laughs> <laughs> Money it's that's just, been stolen from you. Have you ever been on my like show? Yeah. <laughs> 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 Gary, she doesn't know what your show is. I know. <laughs> thank, yeah. thank, praise the Lord. Yeah. Megan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I have a show at a local church. No, <laughs> <laughs> that's it's, it's, really it's outstanding. I, I mean, Ryan. Yeah, thank you. you. And not only are the lyrics so oh. cool, oh, it voice. just sounds so good. Oh, yeah. your voice. And your band. I don't know how what the hell you, you were playing percussion yeah, with. Yeah, they look like rollers, together? paint rollers yeah, that you were. Are you serious? Yeah, keys. They really are. If we can get you. I, I love it. Yeah, you know, if everyone puts together a couple of bucks, let's get some sticks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but seriously, like, how did this all gel together? Because your ages are all different. Like, how did That's you meet cool. these folks? Um, well, I just knew them from some previous projects. We've worked on uh, several different things together, and so uh, they're joining me today. And That's so cool. Yeah. And, and really by the way, what, you know, just to, to give a comparison, if you heard, Lin, I didn't, but I bet if you heard Linda Ronstadt, for example, at age 16, it might have sounded kind of like this. I mean, yeah. you, you're a very Amy good Lou, singer, yeah. Yeah. or Lou Harris, or any number of women who are now mature performers, but... Boy, stay on this. Are you, uh, do you go to like a regular high school down in? Um, I'm homeschooled. I so. wondered if you were homeschooled. Yep. It's and I'm an old educator and I, I don't like to play. I pretty much hate charter schools and all that because of the whole political thing. But homeschooling for a person like you, in my opinion, that's what I would do. Mm -hmm. So and who, are you related? Any of these is this that, is my mom. Oh, that's your wow. mom. Your mom. I wonder. So there is a gift oh. that's passed down. There's some talent there. This is this is how I'm a politician. I thought that was your sister. Um. <laughs> you make that's, me sick. That is your mom. Yeah. Because I was just going to say, where are your parents with all? Because you're 16 years old right. and, and you're on the road She's here, so right good there. for you. Good That's for awesome. you. And, and by the way, often when uh, sisters or family members, I mean, you could name a whole lot of people, young and old, who were Everly brothers who were from our generation, Jerry's and mine, with Kentucky roots. And they sounded so good together because they were family members. They sang together all the time. They had the same genes and did have you guys been singing together forever since she was about i mean little bitty she was able to sing in the adult church choir because we had yeah. such a small church mm -hmm. yep and so i mean we've been singing together since she was little that's so. yeah awesome. boy it sounds like it. yeah the home oh wait a second if you're schooled at home we're on at 11 no. in the morning <laughs> no no no, no. <laughs> no don't watch we're that. so sorry we're very sorry <laughs> Mom's Mom will explain it. No yeah. She's little. Well, it's it's really really good. I told you we I'm, shouldn't come to this thing. She's saying. Yeah, yeah. We are so glad no, you came by here. Yeah, yeah, yeah really great. Me. All of you. Awesome. Good job, to all great, you guys. Great, great. It's a very yeah, good thing. We get all excited when we see young people coming yeah. up, and there is a ten-year-old young woman who's going to be singing a few weeks from now who is being trained here in string instruments by one of the baristas who has this long history of playing has played backup with the harm brothers who are from portland and she's a former chicago public school teacher her name's hannah and she's outstanding and she's teaching this 10 year old 
and this 10-year-old is, is getting into songwriting. So it's your story. Yeah. And at age 10, she wrote a song called The Detention Blues. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And she's going to perform that here along with a traditional mountain song and and she's going to do what you're going to do right now, which is take us out on down by the riverside. We're going to have an old hoot nanny here. <laughs> Ryan Sinclair and all the little pieces, man. to Tales, Tunes, and Tomfoolery, recorded live at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. Thanks to Patrick Kennedy for writing our opening song, and to you for listening. Check out our website at jerryspringer.com. Yeah.